Hello there. Good evening, everyone. Um, yeah, that's right. It's rail natter. It's a it's a Wednesday evening. It's, it's past eight p.m. Uh, you know, reliably late. It's episode two hundred and three of Rail Natter, the long brackets long history of the Transpennine route upgrade. Ooh, um, yeah. there's people in the chat. Hello, everyone in the chat. Uh, Jack Elliott was at a climate change meeting last night with Leo Murray. Uh, hello. Yeah, Leo, friend of the show. We, um, we didn't do the episode on riding sunbeams. We will eventually do the episode on riding sunbeams, but, uh, Leo and I have some, we're, we're up to stuff. Let's just put it that way. Um, <laughs> just watch this space. Um, anyway, Transpennine route upgrade. Hmm. What can, what can we say about this? If I remember to be clicking in the right thing, what can we say about this? Hmm. Whether you're racing home to get the kids tucked up, going to gigs garnished in glitter and fully feather bowed, or off on a ramble to a well-deserved roast and apple crumble, the Trans-Pennine route upgrade will make journeys faster. And with plans to go fully electric, we'll be cutting our emissions too. The Trans-Pennine route upgrade. On track to better. Okay, so the logo is weird, but the uh, the adverts are fun. Uh, look, that's a weird, weird advert. Um, uh, but but it, yeah, this this is this is a bit weird. Uh, I I didn't understand. They had a, to be fair a really what is now quite dated logo before, but it kind of made more sense. What is this? Is this the Orsel Court? But in view, I don't, I, I don't like with the bridge. You know, the bridge like, but like viewed. They they've kind of turned it over ninety two. I don't fully understand the logo, but I do like the style of the um. I do like the style of the um, the adverts. I think they're fun. They're fun stop motion. Yes, we're just, we're talking about the Transpennine route upgrade, everyone. Um, at least every we're talking about what led to the current incarnation of the project. We're not going to be talking about. Oh, people are saying that the um, oh, it's gone now. But the yeah, the on track to better thing. Yeah, I agree. It's stupid. Yeah, um, Alex Evans agrees that it's stupid. Uh, there might be lots of Transpennine people who work for the project. Given that I currently work on and have been working on Transpennine for years, uh, this is. You know, this is not this is not a slag off Transpennine route upgrade um, uh, episode. Um, there's plenty wrong in the project, surely, but 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 fundamentally, it's a it's a project that should have been happening decades ago. So this episode is about. Oh, this is about when we will explain some more about what it actually is momentarily. This is this this episode is not about what the actual project is necessarily as in detail. It's not about the the ins and outs of the current iteration of the project. It's about how we got to the current iteration of the project. Um, yeah, by and large, the current Transpennine route upgrade refers to, um, well, this. I'm going to do it in detail because at some point we'll get someone, we'll get one of the, you know, the engineering lead for the project to come on and actually talk materially about what it is and how it's uh, is being delivered. In the meantime, uh, we need to get on with the show. Everyone, welcome to tonight's Rail Natter. City 225 fades away. It's a little bit seat the pants because until um, uh, seven minutes ago, I was bouncing a, a poor little little one who still hasn't fallen asleep. Um, bless him. Uh, but, uh, yeah, and I, I always prefer her to have 
gone to sleep by this point because it means that um, I'm not abandoning my post, as it were, whereas I have somewhat abandoned my post for tonight's episode. So you, you're all very lucky. Um, uh, anyway, we have to start with asking the question, what is the Transpennine route? <laughs> what is it? What What is that? Um, and well, it means all sorts of things. But to, to answer this question, let us turn to um, uh, Open Railway Map. Good old Open Railway Map. So, okay, yeah, there's 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 a screenshot from Open Railway Map. But let us turn to um, let's let's look at I'll tell you what, let's look at electrification because it's quite useful to see that. So, black is unelectrified, red is electrified or soon to be electrified, um, which is interesting because of some of the discussions we'll talk about soon. The Transpennine route refers to the route from uh, Manchester Victoria um, over here. Is Manchester Victoria? It's here. Um, and Manchester Piccadilly. That Manchester route refers to the connection from both of these stations up to Staley Bridge. So you've got this, the both both stations, uh, sorry, both both of those Manchester termini uh, have routes, paths through to Staley Bridge. Then it refers to the line from Staley Bridge up through Diggle, um, through Stanage Tunnel or Diggle Tunnels, um, through Marsden, Slough into Huddersfield, Murfield, Dewsbury, and then up into Leeds. That is the Transpennine route. There are other paths, you know, route, the kind of lines that cross the Pennines that we've talked about in a previous episode. But the Transpennine route refers to essentially what is called the Huddersfield line. Uh, kind of generally in timetabling terms, it's called the Huddersfield line. And that's what we're referring to. Um, it's the main intercity route between Manchester and, and Leeds. Oh, you know what? Let's, uh, let's attach my face to the corner. Hello, it's me. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, Christoph et al. is indeed referring to um, uh, specifically this episode, episode three, <laughs> 200 episodes ago, where we talked about Rail Over the Pennines and talked about... Um, actually, we kind of alluded to this episode in a way. Um, uh, some foreshadowing happened. When we talk about how many lines there are over the Pennines, but the, the, that there is a single route that is the Transpennine route, and it's, it's basically the Huddersfield line. So that's the, that's the Transpennine route. Um, and we talked a little bit, at, uh, you know, back in episode 101 with, with Jem Williams, we talked about um, a little bit about what we're going to touch on. We, we, we t graced the, the, the subject that we're going to be talking about in more detail tonight. Um, so on which subject, you know, what are the origins and history of the Transpennine route upgrade? This is the question we're going to answer today. This is, um, this is what it's all about. Hello, Richard Fraser. Hello, Richard Moody. Um, hello to all the people on here who are indeed from... Oh, hello, hello, Deirdre. Uh, thanks for your uh, comment. In fact, that's a good point, actually. I'm going to go big face briefly. So I'm just going to tease you. That's what we're going to do tonight. But briefly, I'm going to go big face and say hello, everyone. Um, thanks for all your feedback on the, on the, um, the Ireland Primer episode. Uh, lots of good feedback. A, a, a subject that you're all very passionate about, which is cool. Um, there's definitely more work to be done on on shaping the rail natter thesis of rail in Ireland. Um, so uh, I'm keen to have uh, yeah, very much make your guest suggestions. If there are like-minded rail nerds uh, across the uh, across the Irish Sea, um, let's get them on the episode and they can talk about about things. Certainly, you know, we looked at, at the at the you know the narrow scope of uh, in terms of receptors we just looked at population as as indeed deirdre and others have pointed out there are other useful receptors um ports 
civil service hubs, universities, uh, a good proxy. So there's there are other things at play that, that should help shape that kind of idealized network. And, and, and for sure, we there was some, we touched on some of it in the origin in, in, in the first episode there, but there's more to be done. Uh, keen to explore, keen to find excuses to get um, friends of you know friends of friends of friends of the show on. Um, so uh, make your suggestions. Anyway, I digress. Let's uh, miniaturize my face again and, and tackle the question at hand. What indeed are the origins and history of the Transpennine route upgrade? Um, so, uh, oh, lots of fun stuff. Yeah, da 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 da, da. Good, lovely. Uh, yes, yeah, the answer to this question is, will the government get away with the railway trail? Is, is Yeah, because they just did it worse and worse, didn't they? How painful. Um, so, we start with Selnick. Uh, we start with the uh, southeast Lancashire, northeast Cheshire, um, what what is now kind of morphed back and forth into being the Greater Manchester um, combined authority. Um, but actually, yeah, kind of the boundaries are slightly different, although very similar. Selnick, of course, got obliterated when government did its government centralization push um, later on. But for now, we start with Selnick. Um, and Selnick had a problem, as they perceived it. They had two separate railway networks within their boundary. They had the northern suburban railway network out of out of Victoria Station, and they had the southern suburban railway network out of Piccadilly Station. Uh, neither of these made much. They, they're good. They're a good uh, good system. You know, I'd, I'd, arguably, we should have retained quite a few of them, not as, as switching to Metrolink, but actually continue to run them as as um, uh, high intensity uh, kind of metro services. But anyway, these suburban services uh, also worth saying. A lot of service sharing with fast, long distance services, which is this is the recurring problematic theme of tonight's episode. Um, it's, it's funny you say extremely eighties logo. Selnet that Selnet logo is uh, actually quite a bit earlier than that. This is a, a late sixties, early seventies logo. So yeah, it's it's certainly very vibesy. Door hanger ninety three for sure. David Frankel is here by the way. Hi David. Um, this is not going to be a Manchester episode by the way. This is a Transpennant episode, but there there is a key pinch point on this network. And we're not actually going to talk a huge amount about it, but that key pinch point is relevant to the overall picture. So Victoria's suburban network, Piccadilly's suburban network, um, a, a legacy of, of varying railway companies and, and the geography of central Manchester. And uh, Selnet realised they needed to join these up. And so uh, to do this, uh, they had they came up with a, a bit of a, a plan. Said plan being... Duh, 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 the Pickvic line. Here it is. And we're in the very much in the early 1970s at this point. Selnick proposed the Pickvic line. Manchester's underground rail link, a vital need for the whole region now. And um, what did this propose? You know, we've got this, this rather nice um, uh, graphic here pointing out what, what, what kind of what is involved uh, with the tunnel and the infrastructure. But let's 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 kind of take a take a little look at, at what's actually on on uh, on the cards here. So in order to connect Piccadilly Station, there was a, uh, well, you know, the, the, the lines from Piccadilly kind of go out like this. Uh, there was a, a big, giant flying junction, you know, a great separated junction to take the lines off, come to da drop down into it, kind of into a tunnel, and then there was a big curve going through multiple stations. So Piccadilly Low Level, Whitworth Station, Central Station, Royal Exchange, Victoria Low Level, at Victoria Station. So you have these two low-level stations at, at Piccadilly. Piccadilly would have been in the undercroft about where the current Metro Metrolink platforms are-ish. Um, and then the tracks would have continued and merged with the uh, and merged with another flying junction uh, up this end, merged with the lines towards Staley Bridge um, up, up there. So, um, and, and, and off, off towards you know, uh, 
the, that that side of uh, of Manchester, and that was the point. It was to provide this a high density connection. It would also provide footfall into the city centre uh, directly off public off kind of high ma- uh, mass transit. Um, it was a good idea, and uh, it would have, from a suburban railway network perspective, this is it's worth saying. This is a suburban solution. This was not about long distance connectivity. This was about providing through journeys for that that were otherwise not really possible um, for people kind of connecting those two systems so so the the various you know the the if we go back to this map the various uh, branches of the northern and southern suburban network would have been connected through this high density core it's a pretty standard uh, modus operandi for for european railway networks where you build a, a core like this instead of multiple um uh, terminating stations it's a pretty standard thing we don't do it very often in the uk but um uh, gareth is asking if i'm if i'm going to mention the reason for the huge curve in in pickvick um, multiple reasons for the big curve. Some of them are about um, underground caverns for um, communication systems and, and various bits and pieces. Uh, Gareth, what's your what's your reason you have? Uh, Richard Fraser saying Manchester population two point seven million needs more transport if you want to balance with London. Absolutely, Richard. Yeah, um, like it's ridiculous that Manchester does not have you know a multi line underground system. Uh, let alone fighting over the scraps of, of like one single line uh, based uh, and Stadtschnellbahn uh, pilled absolutely Martha yeah for sure oh the nuclear bunker yeah 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 for sure everyone always likes their fun nuclear bunkers anyway right let's, let's jump forwards because it's not the, the this, this bit very important for everyone to understand this bit this connection here between Piccadilly and Victoria is not the end of the story because there are two key pieces of, of of asset of infrastructure asset up here and up here. Um, one of them is Ardwick Junction, and the other one is Slade Lane Junction. And you have uh, so here is Ardwick Junction, which is uh, on the approaches to Piccadilly. Um, Piccadilly. Someone catch me if I've got these the wrong way around. I don't think. I, in fact, you know what? Let's let's just quickly because I've suddenly doubting myself. Um, Ardwick Junction is Ardwick. I think I am right here. Yes, I am right. Good. Reassuring. So, yes. Uh, get rid of you. Um, so, yeah, Ardwick Junction. So that's up, up in the direction. Of, so there's, 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 the, there's the kind of terminal platforms of, 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 of Piccadilly. Um, and then this would have sent this off down into the tunnel um, here. You know, your, your track's off down into the tunnel, uh, which then would have looped round. Looping round uh, and meeting... Uh, where are we? Let's just have a look at what the orientation is of this drawing. Basically, meeting and providing grade separation for. Um, actually, yeah, that's coming in here. Basically, another grade separate junction to tidy up the 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 connectivity between the the, the the new system and the and the existing lines north of Victoria. So you have these two grade separate junctions, which are absolutely critical to the functioning of this suburban system to not get in the way of the existing regional long-distance services, really key component in providing that uplifting capacity. This is foreshadowing, folks. <laughs> Matt Reed is here. Matt, hello, lovely to see you in here. It's lovely to see lots of friends in here. Martha, Gareth, Jack, Daniel, lots of friends in here. Peter's here as well. Lovely, lovely to see you all. Um, right, so 1971 Selneck propose the Pickvick Tunnel. You'll recognise this graphic because I used it in episode 101, but I've modified it and updated it and added extra data, so so stay tuned for that. So, 1971. Um, this is getting pitched hard. This is getting pitched hard. There's all sorts of graphics and 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 c- communications kind of saying, you know, saying yes to Pickvick now, 
this is this is what we can gain. Um, look at all the traffic. It's a pretty forward-thinking and colourful and optimistic-looking uh, and very seventies vibes. Um, actually, it's quite late sixties vibes to be honest. But it's you know it's very vibesy turn of that decade vibes. Um, aiming at what can be gained by this this um this underground railway and there was lots of there's lots of fun history behind there's a, there's a really good um inframank pdf that you can download that talks about several tr infrastructure stories in, in manchester very interesting it's part of a gallery from a long while back it's got some lovely images in there high-res photos scans and stuff um and um it talks about some of the science that went into some of the pioneering transport science that went into um uh into justifying and, and defining why this system made sense including the fact that their what their their magical black box also suggested that the system would make most sense underground there's all sorts of interesting and the, indeed define the depth because it was considering the depth of passenger flow vertically anyway all sorts of interesting history there that we're not going to get into because this isn't the main event that we're talking about at some point we'll talk about pick vic in great detail and attempt to speak to experts historians and even maybe try and have a look at where it might have gone anyway however let us jump um to uh the real world again so we have this lovely graphic here pickvic project you can see that Selneck has been replaced by the greater manchester council we've had some changes the gmc is here um uh arguably with an e with, with an equally based um sort of graphic ident i think this is awesome um however let us look at this department of the environment which had at that time had gobbled up the, the department for the trans uh, department uh, for transport of transport sorry um so i'm writing this is a letter from the d of e um including the transport sec sector uh, section um writing to manchester to the gmc um let's see i'm writing to tell you that i'm unable to approve the infrastructure grant application in respect of the pickvic tunnel i regret having to do this i know the importance which the pta and that's the passenger transport authority it's a, a kind of the, the an element of the passenger transport executive that had been brought in in 1968 uh, and indeed the metropolitan county attached to the project and i appreciate the hard work which has been put in by the pte and others to reach the present position um, basically, uh, this was a, oh, look, that's right, Treasury say no. Now, when does this, when does this um, uh, sound familiar? So there we are. Who's this prick? The Chancellor of the Exchequer. Oh. Okay, so it's, ah, yeah, it's a Treasury situation. Hmm. Ah, well, funny that. So, yes, uh, this gets binned. Pickvick, uh, a solution to improve both suburban and long distance capacity by splitting those services out um gets uh, canned off um and indeed that's 1973 god that was loud um that's 1973 um sorry for deafening everyone's ears gmc don't give up they keep pushing uh, harder um and uh, you know they keep they, they spend more money on 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 more graphical stuff to kind of point out how critical this project is there's an interesting little comment here from the editor of railway gazette international that i think summarizes a lot of what we've talked about in the past. So let me just read this. This is the editor of Railway Gazette International, still extant. I've written for them. Uh, that's kind of cool. But back in 1974, they have this to say. Pickvick planning has also been bedeviled by the rail... Actually, I need to try and do Manchester. Pickvick planning has also been bedeviled by the railway board's determination to give absolute priority to the intercity passengers. If local trains might conflict with projected high-speed schedules for 1988, the PTE must pay now for extra tracks and signalling. This kind of thinking has inflated the cost of the Pickvick scheme to hundreds of millions of pounds. I don't know why I've made the editor of the Railway Gazette International from Manchester, but in my slightly dodgy Mancunian accent. Um, but uh, 
let's face it, probably a Londoner. I don't know, actually. Who was the editor at the time? Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, Nick, if you're listening, tell me who your, uh, who, who your uh, previous incumbent was in 1974. Uh, th- thank you, Nick Kingsley. Anyway, so that's a really interesting conflict here. It's that conflict between intercity passengers. This is a thing I've talked about with beaching. If you remember, this is barely 10 years after um uh, barely 10 years after uh reshaping had been released and what did I, what have i talked about what have we said in real matter the main problem with reshaping and all the attitudes around it was the prioritization of intercity services at the expense using existing infrastructure therefore entirely at the expense of suburban capacity uh, pte is um passenger transport executive so passenger transport authority is the Operate is kind of the operating arm of a passenger transport executive. Passenger transport executives, there's an episode in it, but go back to Martha's episode actually, where Martha talks about the passenger transport executives. Martha, who is in the chat and can answer even more detail, I'm sure. Um, uh, passenger transport executives created by Barbara Castle in the 1968 Transport Act. A good idea, um, uh, among other things. Uh, so, uh, yeah, but so that basically PTE, PTA are, are the devolved transport entities. Um, in this case, the board is National British Rail and causing problems uh, here. You can kind of understand why their their strategy is prioritise the profitable bit, which is the long distance services. They don't have any infrastructure to allow them to do anything different. So in a way, this isn't so much an indictment on British Rail, more on the broad policy that, that, that came out of reshaping. So 1973, and it continues to be cancelled. And indeed, in 1977, um, that is that the final basically what there's a political change in the gmc the tories gain and they change priority indeed they change priority to push things towards you know they're, 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 the political change facilitates a change in who is looking at a, a some form of solution um in in manchester and uh, british rail pick up uh, so good old british rail here they are oh, i should have done the the um, hallelujah uh, thing there for brp you know br in 1977 pick up an alternative which is called the castlefield curve um, the Castlefield Curve, and the, the intent of this is to provide the same connectivity through, but crucially, it only involves. Well, British Rail start realizing and pointing out that there is some serious heavy infrastructure work to do at the uh, approaches, the, the the kind of the outside of Manchester approaches to both uh, Victoria and Piccadilly, and so um, these guys come in again, and what do they say? Oh, they say no. Um, that's the end of that. <laughs> So, so we see the end of the Castlefield curve, or do we? Um, uh, so, meanwhile, the um, the city authority is trying to work out different ways to do things, and they start mucking around with um, some. They start prototyping and thinking of an alternative solution through central Manchester, um, an attempt again to essentially segregate local services, local sub- uh, suburban sort of. Um, or not services, but certain suburban flows to separate suburban flows from regional and, and long-distance flows in the form of Metrolink. Um, there are lots of other reasons behind it as well. Um, there, there's, there's a lot of conflict in thinking between bus and train at the time. There's there's, there's a lot of people who are anti-rail and, and see buses as still being the future. So there's a lot of complexity um, within, uh, kind of lots of complexity within uh, the nuances of why Metrolink appeared, but, but it did appear. Um, it did appear. Socorro is asking, Castlefield Curve wasn't part of um, those plans yet, was it? Yes, it was. So 1979, Castlefield Curve was the BR plan um, to uh, to resolve um, the issues, uh, it, it kind of uh, to provide the connectivity that Vic, Vic had allegedly um, intended to. So we have Metrolink appearing in 1984. And, well, 
being proposed at least, studies starting and, 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 and transport plans, local transport plans, etc. At the time, kind of around this time, kind of in this interbellum here, in this kind of period, kind of so between like uh, here and, and uh, scribble, so from like here onwards, uh, kind of uh, there was a problem basically, which was that lots of other cities like um, Liverpool, like uh, Newcastle, and indeed like Glasgow had successfully um, got lumps of cash out of central government. Manchester had bided its time a little to um, uh, kind of work up, you know, Manchester being a very large city, to work up uh, more detailed um, more detailed plans, um, you know, well thought through plans, as well as kind of all the road stuff. And um, as a result of that, they actually, there was a change in terms of it, there was another centralisation of power, a change in the way that um, local authorities and cities could apply for grant funding. Um, and essentially they fell through the cracks um they they their you know the big pick big proposals fell through the cracks another issue is that in if we jump back to jump back to this uh 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 uh, uh, uh this letter here um unfortunately this <laughs> this statement of we're, we're having to spend this much less was not at the expense of a substantial amount of road building at the time and it was decided that road building would not be stymied, and, and and public transport would be. That was a political decision made by the government at the time. Uh, let's uh, jump through all the horns and honking and remind ourselves what's going on. So, Metrolink. Um, yes, so Metrolink is not being built yet, but the project, the thoughts of what it might look like is starting to rumble on. Meanwhile, enter regional railways in 1990. So we've reached 19, we've nearly, nearly 20 years have passed already by this point. Um, 1990. What's happening in 1990? Well, uh, actually, I need to grab something and bring it up to to uh, assist me in the the subtle nuances and details. No, in fact, you get to experience that for a brief second because I'm very good at my job. Um, so let us let me just bring this down here and remind myself. So, 1990, there there is a study is brought out. We're gonna we're gonna have a look at this study. 1990, there's a study, uh, and here is the Modern Railways article on that study, which I think is going to be interesting to look at. We're gonna have a little look at this um, this this um, Modern Railways article. So, British Rail has appointed a project manager, North Transpennine Electrification, Mr. Stuart Dick no laughing, to examine the case for both the Bradford area electrification, Leeds to Bradford, Leeds Bradford to Ilkley and Leeds Bradford to Skipton, and for the North Trans Pennine electrification study. So what's funny here is, um, <laughs> yes, this is looking at Bradford area electrification. So this is like really the, the north, the Leeds northwest suburban electrification, which we, we did eventually get. Um, uh, so that, that succeeded. That did get, that did get through. Um, but also, North, what is called and continues to be called in some instances, uh, certainly in terms of legislation, uh, North Transpennine Electrification, um, which in this case is Leeds, York, Hull to Liverpool, North Wales. So it's 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 the full, as you can see, um, the the routes being electrified are uh, kind of, um, or rather, you can see the routes being considered for electrification are this core through. Um, through Manchester into uh, sorry through Liverpool into Manchester uh, across the, the Transpennine route, and then um, out to York, down to Hull, and then the dash bits of stuff that uh, if you remember 1990 we've got East Coast Mainline electrification so electrification is kind of in vogue at this point so this study comes out of that, um, and also you know as we've seen this happens we know that this happens so that that that's arguably a success. Um, 
Interesting they didn't merge this into a Leeds-Bradford-Manchester electrification. Well, yeah, but that, the thing is, there is a convenient network. You can see, if I get rid of my John Maddening, you can see that um, they're consolidating the routes as, you know, as, as always, they're prioritising certain routes. So they're prioritising the route to Bradford from the north so that you don't have to electrify double the number of lines. So they're prioritising that route for Bradford and then this route down to Manchester. So it's, yeah, it's, it's avoiding doing double the amount of, of electrification work whilst also connecting up into those those kind of otherwise deprived areas up, up you know, ex, ex kind of industrial areas up in uh, Ilkley, Skipton, Keithley, all these places. So let's have a, let's continue going through here. So time scale on the Bradford scheme is short, da, da, da. so the, the Bradford scheme, fine. Um, and, and this is all happening. There's this grant stuff going on. The Trans-Pennine study is considering a range of options. And so although the route, the core route from Leeds to Staley Bridge is established, costs and benefits will be evaluated for the route from Staley Bridge via Manchester Piccadilly and Warrington Central against the route via Manchester Victoria and St Helens Junction to Liverpool. So kind of looking at A and B here, which we, you know, Victoria or Piccadilly, fine. Um, on the basis of recent routing policy, it is likely that if electrification is chosen, the route would be via Manchester Piccadilly. Certainly Warrington Central on the Piccadilly route attracts more passengers than St Helens Junction on the other route. The Warrington Central route is advantageous for services to North Wales. Oh, interesting. So, uh, we'll skip the North Wales bit. What's also interesting is they talk about, um, you know, obviously Greater Manchester's devolved government talking about, uh, authority rather, talking about um, Manchester to Blackpool electrification, which we know has now happened under what's called NWEP. Um, so, um, da, 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 and indeed it believes that this demands higher priority than the Transpennine route. Um, I mean, they're not necessarily incorrect. This is referring to the, the introduction of uh, Metrolink here. Um so uh, that's just quite interesting. Da, 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 da. Okay, fine. Um, east, on the east of the Pennines, the service is being examined York Leeds, Hull Leeds. Um, uh, Leeds to Staley Bridge with the long tunnels in Morley and Standage are the, is the most expensive bits to electrify. Absolutely. Uh, neither York to Leeds or Hull to Leeds is expensive. Uh, yeah. Leeds to Neville Hill is complete. Yeah, I mean, that's still true today, painfully. <laughs> this is the uncomfortable thing, isn't it? Um, dear me. Uh, yes, so let's, let's go through here. Um, demand not very high, problems whole lead. So there's all sorts of interesting bits and pieces to pick out here. There's also discussions being, you know, considerations for rolling stock and what the rolling stock would look like, EMU rolling stock, um, potential consideration of, of, of purchasing class 323s, which is quite interesting. Um, they're being used on the electrified cross-city line in Birmingham. Yes, this is 1990, isn't it? It's this slightly strange transition period from like very br looking br but also 323s on the cross city line which are still running on the cross city line and still frankly feel pretty fresh as trains so um it's interesting isn't it you know uh you know you've still got like mixed sort of engineering trains kind of going through with brake vans and stuff you know it's 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 this interesting trans transitory period um uh, what else can we can we read here so there's this you know there's also this stuff this is fun here um <laughs> Development of metro services in Glasgow, lol. Um, and then, oh yeah, oh look, London plans and extensions. Oh, I wonder, I wonder if any of the plans that in London will, will get scaled back. So obviously, you know, Crossrail. Uh huh. Um, uh, there's, there's there's lots of other stuff. Docklands Light Rail is getting huge amounts of money. Underground is getting huge amounts of money at this point. Yeah, well, actually not quite yet, but Crossrail particularly. Also, the Chelsea Hackney line getting mentioned. Anyway, we digress. We're not going to focus on what London's getting. We're talking about what the North d doesn't end up getting. So there's there's other stuff. Um, considering road, there's this discussion about roads as alternatives, rail investment alternatives. There's there's lots of interesting stuff. Um. So there's like lots of tempering language 
um, about uh, about electrification, but it is they do commission a study. So, 1990, a study gets commissioned. 1991 to 92, we see construction of the first bit of um, of Metrolink. You know, it actually opens, which is good news. Meanwhile, on our uh, Trans Pennine routes, so we're talking about you know that route, the, the long distance services across the Pennines. Um, what's what's going on here? Well, let's uh, so 1992, 1990. What's what's happening at this time? Hmm, I wonder. Um, well, here's a debate. Uh, actually, this is an interesting one. So this is a debate in 1992. Um, protection of neighbouring properties, uh, January 13th, 1992. This is specifically talking, this is the King's Cross Railways Bill. What's this about, I wonder? Let's jump down to um, to, to this section here. Uh, Mr. Smith, MP, um, talking about uh, all the money being spent on the King's, on the King's Cross low-level station that could actually be spent on, uh, let's see, this is this is in Parliament, discussions of you know, electrification of the Midland Main Line, which is guessed at 350 million, lol. Um, f- uh, 750 million for the West Coast Main Line, that was part of the Institute 250 project, lol. And 400 million for electrification of the Trans-Pennine routes. So we see this this discussion, you know, the Trans-Pennine routes, uh, plural, by the way, as well. Um, so this is interesting. So it's like... Um, people being skeptical of, of of investing in a new station at King's Cross, which actually would have been a good idea. What's interesting is the next interjection um, related to the 1.5 billion quid is from a certain Jeremiah Crobnins. Remember this guy? Jeremy Corbyn. Uh, I represent the other half of Islington uh, and lots of discussions about the fact that turning it into a big property development scheme, it doesn't actually seem like a good idea when you could put a lot of affordable housing in there and make it something as a social good. Inclined to agree, Jeremy. Um, Anyway, if you want to learn about more uh, about that, uh, the, 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 those discussions, go back to episode 79, which is a g- great episode, uh, why there is no HS1, HS2 link, and how should it look if there was, anyway. Um, but also other discussions. Let's jump forward to 1994. So the Railways Act 1993, you, you might remember, has just been passed. Uh, indeed, uh, here is a discussion, uh, a long discussion, a long speech, indeed, by the, the late, great Mr. Frank Dobson, MP, uh, or the Right Honourable, I presume he's a Right Honourable, certainly the Honourable uh, Frank Dobson, MP, um, absolutely whipping up a storm um, discussing, again, electrification of the Transparent Link. He's talking about the cost of electrification, which is being assumed at this point to be £446 million in 1993 figures. Um, what happened to uh, yeah? What happened to all of these characters, I wonder? Uh, the WMR 323s are moving to Northern. Oh, that's exciting, isn't it? There's, there's some similar 323. Are there 323s up in, on Northern already? There's some very similar units, I'm sure. On, on which bits yeah there's some similar ones up up here i'm sure of it um anyway so uh of course this is discussion of um of of the railways at 1993 so things change at this point br had been planned i mean br in the in the early 90s kind of knew that bad things were on the horizon but uh not certainly so they were planning for the future hence the discussions about potential electrification and, and some of that works you know we got the um uh he was a cabinet minister. Oh, yeah, of course he had been a cabinet minister. Yes, Privy Council, therefore, absolutely, yes, he would have been uh, right honourable. Uh, not that I particularly care for such um, such things. But in any case, uh, episode 148, if you want to find out every way that the Railways Act uh, screwed everything up. But um, let's talk specifically about Transpennine improvements. So we had seen the introduction of the Class 158s, um, which had, uh, had improved capacity a fair amount, improved speeds, and most importantly, given air-conditioned, pleasant, and nominally intercity feeling long distance services across the Pennines. Um, and, oh, look, this is being written in March 1994. I think probably in, is this Modern Railways again? Yeah, this is Modern Railways again. Um, and uh, so this is it. So 
the number of three car class 158 sets on the trans route will be increased from oh, this is these are joke numbers eight to 14 um, increasing the average number of vehicles prior between Leeds and Manchester from 7.1 to 7.8 that sounds so pitiful frankly but anyway um coping but so it's, you know, basically the point is this route has seen enormous growth um since 1986 a really key point to remember 1986 continual 13 percent at per annum growth on average over the uh, from uh 86 to 94 that's that's some sizable eight, you know, eight years of, of, of significant growth it only got busier after that the 158 is there so great um, you know, the, the uh, 1993 saw um, the, the introduction of services into the airport, uh, which uh, just looks suspiciously like the airport uh, station, actually. So saw the new station built at the airport. In fact, it's all very fancy and, and buffer stop, uh, reasonable quality. Um, 1993 was when that station opened. Um, and so we saw kind of that's when the, the, the service patterns started looking more like what we're used to now. Indeed, embarrassingly, it's not that different timetable-wise to what we have now, uh, thanks to COVID cuts, etc., and the service quality. So we've got the TransPennine, and, and it's being referred to as it's very much now TransPennine with a trans and a capital P. You know, so this brand is starting to emerge, the TransPennine route, uh, in terms of the service branding. Um, and indeed, TransPennine Express will start to emerge as a, as a description uh, later on. Anyway, this is regional railways still at this point. Um, but but in the process of regional railways being split into train operating units, um, which then um, became the current train operating companies. Um, so uh, of course, Martha's saying, of course, the one five eight fleet wasn't enough for the kind of growth you got from providing a half decent service. Yes, so they provided a half decent service, and the one five eight immediately became uncomfortably full. This will also be a common theme, folks. So let's press on. So the discussion this this is a piece talking about improvements, and at the top of this, here we see. Electrification um, add, uh, as a as a key improvement at the launch of Railtrack in November, Aidan Nelson, director of Railtrack Northeast Zone, stated that Railtrack endorses the long term vision of an electrified future for the North Transpennine Corridor. So that's the North, just Transpennine Route. It's another name for it, linking Liverpool, Manchester, Leeds, and York uh, with the East Coast Mainline. Um, a recent study by a consultancy did not show high benefit, uh, financial benefits, although on a cost-benefit basis, wiring gets a favourable prognosis. That sentence doesn't make any sense. Um, for electrification to proceed, it will be necessary for all the councils involved to put electrification of this route in their transport policies and programmes bids. So the, the, the TPP bids are, were what um, were the new thing that was introduced that resulted in Manchester missing out on a load of cash, having missed out on the direct grant funding that the um, uh, the PTs uh, and the, the metropolitan counties got before that. This new thing, the transport policies and programmes bid that had gone to the DFT, so the D of T at the time. Um, Anyway, electrification will give greater flexibility, is more economical than diesel operations. The preferred type of train would be a new steel-bodied electric multiple unit of a similar type to the Class 442s. Okay, take note of that. Nice little Class 442 thing. Uh, used on the London to Bournemouth services, but with overhead power collection. The interior of the new train would be based on the interior in Intercity's pilot refurbished Mark 3s. So, um, is the TPA consultancy different from the Think Tank? Think tank? Uh, yes, I believe it is. It's not the Taxpayers Alliance. Uh, someone Google that. Google what TPA TPA became. I'm curious. Um, so leads to upward growth. Uh, fine, fine, fine. So all this stuff. Yeah, lots of lots of kind of other discussions, resigning and so on. But electrification allegedly in 1994 on the cards, very much being developed. And and essentially to have a thing like this, a proper intercity train, albeit slightly weird, like 
they've, they've taken the front end of a of, of a of a Mark One London thing and stuck it on the front. It's, it's, it's funny units. They've recently just all been scrapped, haven't they? R.I.P. Um, uh, David Franklin is talking about other bits and pieces in um, uh, yeah the fact that the Windsor then opened, uh, which enabled the service changes through Manchester um, in city traffic uh, running uh, via Piccadilly instead of Victoria. Yes, so so the various bits of work that enabled the kind of the pattern that we know now. Um, interestingly, there were certain changes that had happened preceding, kind of long preceding that, that had fermented in the decision to close um, Woodhead. Buzz to 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 Graham and to um, Barry um, Woodhead um, versus Hope. Uh, so the, 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 the Manchester is this linchpin in the whole of the Transpennine, uh, the whole of the network of the of the of the of the Northern Railway system. So this thing as well, yeah. So this this slide should have been somewhere else, really. But this is just referring to the fact that yeah, the airport services had had started operating this damn thing. Manchester Airport starting to screw everything up by dragging trains south of Manchester, um, where they previously hadn't necessarily been, and so resulting in um, creating more conflicts to facilitate this service. And it became a very popular rail service as a result. So 1990, jump to 1995. Um. There is a uh, there's some new proposals put forward by the uh, incoming TO or the incoming talk taking over from the TOU um, in 1995. The the thing is called Electric 2000. We've moved on from 442s towards a um, a networker type um, uh, type uh, train looking very similar to the current Crossrail fleet because that's kind of essentially what it would have been. Um, and you can see we've got this, you know, the Transpennine Vision. So a year later, Electric 2000 is published. And um, and you know, we can see this this tr description here, the Transpennine Express, as it's called. Um, uh, it's just continuing to be an enormous success. That's kind of the challenge here. This is a huge success, and government is unwilling to spend any money to let it continue to be a success. Very frustrating. So there's a 1992 report published um, um, uh, suggesting that the, you know, that the 1992 report was a bit dampened on the spirits of uh, for anyone who was keen for electrification. But so we ended up with this discussion of, of, of the core. So um, uh, Micklefield, Leeds, um, uh, Leeds, Huddersfield, um, lots of re-signaling and this assumptions of, of, of sort of various bits and pieces here. The new EMU design to replace its fleet of Class 158 diesel multiple units, Regional Railways Northeast have developed a design for an electric multiple unit to cope with the particularities of, and that's particularities, not peculiarities, of the Transpennine Express network, um, which it feels may well interest other operators. Um, so 120 vehicles operating in three, four, or five car train sets, seen as the future requirements, Ironically, kind of close to what we've close to what Transpennine currently run, uh, a mixture of all of the above. So basically, it's saying, um, interestingly, with twenty-three meter long coaches, which is uh, an interesting uh, sort of. Uh, so there's there's about the length of a Mark Three coach, I suppose. Actually, it's not it's, it's not that interesting. Uh, with two driving cars, sandwiching a car carrying the units, pantograph and traction equipment, fine. Um, so basically, we end up you know, DCA, legendary DCA, get involved, and they end up kind of developing this this interior, which, um, yeah, it's 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 kind of a possible interior for a for a a kind of a networker type vehicle um, that we'd see. And there's lots of discussion here about things like cost, um, you know, the train fleet, the electrification, da 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 da, da lots of lots of overall stuff, um, the grant application for the funding, so on and so forth. Fine. So. 1995. What happens next? Then all this work, this this uh, Transpennine, sorry, Electric 2000 proposal for the for Transpennine Express. Hmm. 
Well, meanwhile, Metrolink, by the way, is still being uh, is still evolving and being developed for for expansion because they just did a, did a bit. But in 1997, they finally started doing more. Uh, so by 1999, the system is starting to properly expand and continues to do so. 2001, um, we we essentially reached a point where a few interesting things. Um, yeah, a few interesting things happened in 2001. Uh, one of the things I've not marked on here is that in 2001, the Leeds Supertram receives provisional government approval. Uh, hooray for Leeds, excellent, fantastic. Um, and Transpennine Route Development, as it's called, uh, progresses. And indeed, here is a talk being given by uh, Graham Bunker, still uh, still going, still getting on with stuff on the railways, uh, making a nuisance of himself. Um, uh, March 2001, delivered to the York Permanent Institution, a talk on the Transpennine Route Development. This is a chance for me to um, uh, this is a chance for me to talk about um, the fact that upgrades to the Transpennine route precede the electrification discussions because some of the route upgrades that are being done now for Transpennine um, on, on that route, some of the, the kind of improvements to, 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 to the alignments to improve journey times, um, that was being done via Halad survey. I mean, obviously we've completely lost those plans and had to completely reinvent the wheel, but basically much and such the same designs are being developed via Halad survey in the 80s by, um, well, by, for one, this chap, Ken Aston, uh, uh, across the Pennines and, and uh, co-conspirator in Kitching and, and others doing that work. Um, so this is very long in the tooth. Um, now, Matt Reed, yeah, what did happen to the lead super tram idea? Oh, well... Um, Let's uh, let's talk firstly about the Strategic Rail Authority. Um, incidentally, in two thousand and two, uh, Leeds Supertram um, gets Treasury funding approval to proceed, which is exciting, isn't it? That's very exciting. So, oof. right, let's talk about the Strategic Rail Authority. Um, ostensibly a good authority, a good thing, kind of, uh, but but basically patching up a messy system. So I have mixed feelings about the success of the Strategic Rail Authority. Let's talk about why those mixed feelings exist. Here is the size of okay. So the Strategic Rail Authority state they 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 go right. We are um, we're going to buy a whole lot of new trains. We're going to upgrade capacity on the Transpennine route. And the Strategic Rail Authority, what do they 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 do? They procure. Well, firstly, let's talk about the size of the fleet. So they start with um, fifty six four car trains. The, the SRA um, proposed that that's um, the kind of the or rather the train operating company proposes uh, 56 four car trains the strategic rail authority says no no you don't need that many you only need 56 three car trains to which the train operating company is perhaps not happy but this SRA they're god at this point and that what they say goes so they reduce the size that you fleet by about um, what is that 15 what is that six times you know five times they, that's, a, that's a lot of in fact 56 vehicles 56 coaches taken out of that um order also as you might notice they are not emus they are dmus because the strategic rail authority don't give a stuff about electrification they do not care electrification is off the table so that's the end of transpennine electrification ah oops um so yeah uh Gareth is saying by a quarter, as it would be. Thank you, Gareth. Good, good sums. So, two thousand one, uh, two thousand three comes along, and that's the end of um, uh, that is the end of Transpennine electrification. Uh, alas, so all that's happening at this point is Metrolink uh, is is planning for expansion, but we've lost any kind of major upgrade across the Pennines. We're just doing it with trains because trains are perceived as easy 
uh, and cheaper. Oh, uh, oh, by the way, so strategic rail authority weren't finished though, because um, having reduced the size of the order, they decided to do the same thing again. In 2004, they reduced the size of the fleet from 56 um, three-car 185s to uh, 51 um, four-car, uh, sorry, 51 three-car 185s. So they've they've got rid of it. They've made the order even smaller. So they're not electrified. They're diesel. They are, as a result of the, the, the gradients over the Pennines, they are uniquely powerful and very heavy as a result. Siemens designed a very heavy train. The axle load of the 185s is enormous. Um, so this is how many vehicles have been... So if we if we scoot up all the vehicles and merge them together, this is how many trains have been cut out of that order. Um, as you can see, the Strategic Rail Authority have, have reduced... If we stack them all together... Almost, well, in fact, you know, it's, it's a huge, you know, okay, so that's one, two, three, four. There's a, if, to make a perfect kind of collection here of not ordered trains, this is 33% um, uh, reduction in the size of the train fleet. I'm sure this will not um, cause us any problems given this, the enormous, bearing in mind that's, what is it, about 10 to 15% growth minimum. Um, if not more, actually, by this point, we're seeing 20 to 30% growth every year on the, or certainly 15 to 20% growth every year on that, on the Transpennine route. So reducing the size of the train order by, what, two years of growth? Hmm, that doesn't seem hugely sensible to me. Um, incidentally, uh, that was 2004. Uh, anyway, these you know, these 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 trains came on, and despite the fact there were not as many of them as there should have been, they did increase overall capacity by like an additional fifty percent or something. So it's a big lump of additional capacity, um, and so uh, line go up. The, 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 funnily enough, you provide more seats; those seats got filled. It got even more popular because these trains, despite being diesel, were actually pretty good. You know, they're a pretty decent improvement on the previous train, uh, previous uh, experience, even though I love the 158s. So, we, um, before we jump forward to 2009 and talk about um, problems, we need to talk about what happened in 2005, because um, in 2005, oh, yeah, uh, Treasury cancelled Leeds Supertram. Alistair Darling said no. So that's the end of Leeds Supertram. RIP. Sad times. So 2006, we see the introduction of the 185s. Happy days. Um, the issue with these, though, is that these 185 units don't comply with new emission standards. So our lovely 185s introduced big engines don't comply with new emission standards, which means that that growth and the idea to then buy new trains... Um, is they can't buy any more new train uh, any more new trains to top up that order because they don't meet emission standards and it'd be expensive to retrofit so they can't expand this fleet the fleet is stuck at the size it is despite this enormous growth hmm uh this is uh, not ideal obviously so we reached 2009 a couple of things happened in 2009 um so, uh, in fact, it's worth saying, before we even hit 2009, we hit 2007, we hit to that 2007, and actually we have a problem with the existing timetable cannot be delivered with the number of trains running. So, great work, Strategic Rail Authority, probably one of their biggest uh, failures. Um, so, 2009, what happened to 2009? Network Rail put forward proposals in what they call Northern Hub. 
including what they refer to as the Ortsal Chord, which is just another name for the Castlefield Chord, uh, the Castlefield Curve, sorry. So the Ortsal Chord, aka the Castlefield Curve, is part of these plans. Uh, there are also plans for some some uh, Metrolink. Finally, Metrolink starts building a, a new expansion, but we won't worry about that too much. Um, and as we continue, so all this growth suddenly we realise. Oh wait a minute, um, there's no uh, there's no electrification. Um, so uh, actually, you know, we, we 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 need electrification. We need a new fleet um, to uh, to actually deal with the, this in, the, this enormous increase in capacity. So 2011. We have a reannouncement of the the first time that the thing called the Transpennine route upgrade is reannounced, um, including electrification, including a, a, another rolling stock strategy. So um, the Transpennine route upgrade would include bringing in a load of Class Three One Nines. There's a big fleet of Class Three One Nines being cascaded by Thameslink that were then planned to be uh, refurbished and and deployed on the Transpennine route. Um, electric trains delivered rapidly. Um, meanwhile, also there's plans for a new um, uh, kind of later, that was a stopgap, and then the later operator would buy a new fleet of electric trains to run over the over the hill. So 2011. So we've got all these plans. So we've got the Transpanel route upgrade, building on the, the Northern Hub's uh, plans to kind of provide uh, some capacity within that bottleneck in Manchester. And on top of that, so we're seeing all this growth. So on top of that, look at this. PM and Chancellor give the green light to develop, and this is off the government website, HS3. Interesting that they actually do call it HS3, not NPR. So HS3 gets gets the go-ahead um, uh, across the Pennines. So you know, an exciting proposal from government uh, here, and they, they kind of task Transport for the North to oversee this plan. Uh, a new uh, devolved subnational transport body uh, to develop these plans. Uh, 2014 at Metrolink. Um, actually, 2014 is it the Two Cities line that opens at that point? Oh no, it's not. It's one of the other lines, isn't it? Two Cities, um, uh, the the second city crossing or whatever it's called is a bit later, I think, isn't it? Someone shout at me. Anyway, so what 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 else can we learn at this point? What's going on? Um, ah, yeah, that's right. 2015, as a result of NWEP and GWEP overrunning in cost and government basically being very stupid, um, transparent electrification is uh, delayed indefinitely. Uh, yeah, that's right. They cancel it. So transparent route upgrade, once again, is cancelled. <laughs> that's the end of that. Um, not ideal at all. Um, the plans for the three one nines, you know, that that screws up the three one nines. That all end up getting, they end up being put in some sidings and rusting horribly, um, which is really uh, bad news. Uh, thank you, David. Yeah, David, we'll get you on to talk specifically about Manchester at some point, um, at some point soon. So yeah, these trains that were supposed to be refurbished, cascaded, uh, running services across the Pennines, uh, gets that's that's the end of that. They they they're, they're in a siding, rusting. Actually, it's not the end of that because um, government says, well, you know what? Why don't you work out how to make these um, buy mode? Put diesel engines under these three one nines. These three one nines can then be this. The, they can top up capacity on the on the Transpennine route. I'm faceplant. I'm absolutely faceplant uh, palming at this point. For that's obviously a very stupid suggestion. So, um, the other thing is, is that um, in 2015, I should have said, is that the um, the Transport and Works Act order for platforms 15 and 16 in Manchester is submitted. So I should have said in, in 2015, uh, up here there should be a little a little like circle here um 2015 uh, yeah the transport works act order so platform 15 and 16 plat plans are submitted um in 2016 
work starts on um, actually this was saying that there's a new a new station entrance opens in Leeds Leeds has one thing uh, which is nice um in 2015 also the new train operating company the new um talk coming into Transpennine Express uh, awards um or sorry sorry um uh both, both Northern and Transpennine say we're going to introduce huge new train fleets that's the promise in 2015 um so in 2017 the orders of the court is completed um uh, and uh, where, where's David's uh, comment? David's uh, line about what's being built when? Uh, yes, the um, the second city crossing uh, opens in, in, in I think twenty seventeen as well. Um, here's the Orsall Court. Here it is looking very snazzy, of course. The the trouble is, um, it's missing the really important bits. We've talked, you know, we've we've already talked about this. We've we've if I was down uh, down here. It's as it says. So this is this is very nice, very shiny, but um, it's missing the important bits. If you remember, um, so it looks very nice. I think that is. I think this. I think the view this way is what the the ironically is what the Transpennine logo is referring to. It's referring to the view of this bridge, but from the side. I very strange, particularly given this doesn't actually form part of the scope of the project. Anyway, so. Where are we at? 2017. Uh, unfortunately, um, in 2017, that's the end of the Orchard. The Northern Hub project is wrapped up. It's it's disappears into the ether. Um, the Transport Works Act order. You know, there there is some um, uh, doubt. Let's say doubt is casted by the Secretary of State for Transport on the future of of platforms 15 and 16 at Piccadilly and the associated work. That's not the only thing. There's a lot of additional work, uh, and the main bit being the grade separation at, at Piccadilly, uh, particularly around Piccadilly, to enable it. Um, so, 2018. What's happening in 2018? Ah, well, in 2018, there's a reannouncement that electrification is back on the cards. Why? Because in a enorm in an enormous panic, government realizes that it doesn't have the trains to deliver the capacity or the timetable that it's planned for May of that year. It doesn't have. Yeah, let's talk about things. So we have a new timetable. This new timetable coming up in May of 2018. Um, we have the proposed trains that were intended to use it either in sidings rusting or um, not built yet or late for delivery or not being cascaded into the right place because other trains haven't arrived yet. And also we have um, all of the grade separation work that is needed uh, not happening. So to recap, uh, we have the train fleet rusting or hasn't arrived yet that is supposed to deliver this timetable. Um, we have uh, the the actual infrastructure needed to deliver the timetable has been forgotten about by the Secretary of State for Transport, meaning that the timetable collapses horribly. Hence the May 2018 timetable collapse in the north. We didn't have the trains. We didn't have the infrastructure. We had a timetable that was essentially made up, relying on imagined trains and imagined infrastructure. Um, and this didn't go down very well, did it? Uh, in fact, it was a horrible, disastrous mess. <laughs> um, yeah, so not good. Um, so we ended up with, you know, the the what I would say is the um, the entering of the rail industry into um, the cool zone uh, as we entered a horrible limbo, which we still haven't escaped out of. We can, I don't want to, I don't want to touch, touch, go through this in any more than the lightest of detail. But the issue with um, having built the Ords Accord is actually here was that you um, created a link 
which meant that delays up here ended up kind of rippling down to create delays down here in a way that hadn't happened before. Um, as David points out, as a result of the lack of trains infrastructure, we also didn't have the staff, the trained staff, to drive the trains. So the whole thing was a was an absolutely shambolic mess. Um, so, yeah, in other words, we very rapidly stopped using the orbital cord. Um, what else is there to talk about? Well, okay, so 2018, Transpennine route upgrade is has been re-announced because government realised there's a mess. May 2018, timetable collapses. Um, but what else is going on? Um, well, in 2019, um, HS3, or Northern Powerhouse Rail, or as I prefer to call it, the um, new Transpennine high-speed line, um, is repeatedly committed to by government, including by the Prime Minister of the day. Uh, repeatedly and repeatedly committed to. Um, in, and so, you know, you think, oh, okay, good, that, that sounds good. Great, great. Um, roll forward to 2020 and uh, the last bit, you know, the last bit of Metrolink uh, new line is, is delivered. I think that's out to um, Media City. Is that right? Is that the Media City branch? Uh, that's, uh, that's there. Um, yes, so... Um, 2020, we have Metrolink kind of reaching the end of its basically proposed extents at this point. Uh, hello, Cross North program. Um, so where are we at? 2020. And we have, in 2020, we have, um, in theory, we haven't got a properly formally cancelled um, grid separation of Northern Hub, although it's idling. Um, we do have Transpennine route upgrades, working out what the hell it's supposed to be. And we do have a new line across the Pennines. Enter the integrated rail plan. Because, um, yeah, bye-bye. This piece of crap uh, screws everything up, makes a mess of everything, wrecks HS2, um, gets rid of the new line across the Pennines, and um, enables, you know, opens the door for everything to be cancelled completely. Um, so, yeah, that's the end of uh, the new line across the Pennines. It gets swallowed into a sort of trans-Pennine route plus-plus type situation, which continues to be called Northern Powerhouse Rail, but it no longer refers to a... Um, a new line it refers to lots of on-network upgrades um there's also discussion about talibont uh, going on here um uh emir hello emir um what, what, what's people talking about am i are people doxing me in the chat here uh i think i've talked about the fact that i'm from the the talibont near Aberystwyth. that is where I, that is well not from that's that's where um i moved to uh where my parents currently live um so i'm doxing my parents i suppose which is fine so that's not the end of the pain, I'm afraid, because uh, this episode's already before we reach nine o'clock. Good God, I, I knew this would happen. Don't worry, we are we're reaching the end of our tale. Because in 2023, we had this announcement of a £72 million boost for rail journeys for people in Manchester in the north. Well, that sounds nice, doesn't it? £72 million. Oh, wait, what does that, what does that actually mean? Wait a minute, let's just have a look at the details in here. Huh. Uh, oh, look at this. In order to deliver for passengers quickly while providing value for money for taxpayers, Network Rail has today withdrawn a previous planning application for rail infrastructure work in the city. No details about this, but of course, as we talked about in previous Rail Matters, um, Rail Matters? Rail Matters? I can't even name my own bloody podcast. Uh, what this mean wa meant was the Transport and Works Act order for platforms 15, 16 and upgrades along the Castleford uh, corridor 
was uh, withdrawn. That was the end of that. Um, oh dear. That's the end of that. So, um, what does that mean? Uh. Yeah, it means in 2023, that's the end of Northern Help. It's gone. 72 million is just uh, pissing into the wind. It's just, you know, I, I'm not saying that's money that couldn't be usefully spent, but it, it, you know, in terms of the infrastructure, in terms of the fact we're talking about replicating a underground railway network, you know, a suburban segregation of railway service, 72 million pounds is enough to pay for nothing whatsoever possibly enough to pay for the design of that system um fantastic yeah marvelous so 2023 though uh transparent route upgrade is still happening we still have transparent route upgrade at this point that's quite exciting so we do have a project continuing through all of this battling its way and indeed by this point so from 2018 there's kind of this they'd created the, you know uh the, the the project team had created this kind of modular approach to to upgrades that they were drip feeding in through via the dft um you know kind of uh, into treasury and convincing treasury to to invest the money there was a lot of in again out again over um electrification in again out again over gauge clearance we will get someone on to talk about that scoping period because I think it's quite interesting. There's a lot to learn from how that battle went. Um, I think it'd be good to get the person who's DFT side during that period as well. I think that would also be quite interesting. But Transparent Route Upgrade continues. And indeed, in 2023, we had this confirmation that Transparent Route Upgrade was becoming a multi-billion pound scheme of of um, of massive capacity upgrades, particularly in the this, this central core of the route uh, around the Huddersfield area, where an enormous amount of money is going to be spent on on network uh, kind of uh, capacity works, capacity enhancement, grade separation, etc., as well as for tracking and, of course, electrification. All of this stuff. Um, now, that's a lot of money for an on-network upgrade, because that's how much on-network upgrades cost. They're very expensive. <laughs> so if you consider this is, you know, that's... Uh, one tenth of the cost, you know, one tenth on, on, on basically two junctions here, that's one tenth the cost of building the new line across the Pennines. You start seeing the scale that we're talking about here. Um, so it continues to this day. And here we have it. We have Transpennine Route Upgrade with their fancy s slogan saying on track to better. It, it exists. It's ongoing. And indeed, we will talk about it in future episodes because I want to talk more about the scheme, more about how it work, how it's working, uh, more about what's being proposed. So we have multiple episodes, I think, uh, picking up what exactly has been done so far, um, what is uh, you know how what the process was like in getting, how on earth did you get f squeeze four billion out of treasury? You know, we want to understand this. So uh, George uh, Marshall, you're absolutely right. That just shows why HS2 is a better idea than upgrading the West Coast Main Line. Yeah, for sure. The whole point of these new lines is that you essentially get an upgrade of the existing railway for free by the fact that you don't have to deal with this mix of services. That's the key, that is the key thing. Meanwhile, what happened to the orbital cord? Ah, yes, it's now reduced to one train uh, in each direction per hour. Uh, that was That's already for two years that's been the case. So, yeah, um, that, that's the story. Let's get my large face up. Um, Go on, what are your questions? Chop me questions, we'll answer them at the end um, just before we, we close off. Thanks for everyone for joining, um, uh, as ever. Uh, uh, in audio-only format, the podcast, it's a, it's a rapid end because there's more story to tell in the future and I want to save it um, for another episode because we're it's, it's eight minutes past nine and I want to wrap things up. Um, in audio-only format, thank you for listening. Do drop reviews. Um, rate the podcast on Spotify. It's always nice if you give me a nice, uh, nice rating. Uh, if you hate it, fine tell me um but on all good podcasting platforms of course of course of course 
um, patreon.com slash Gareth Dennis um, for to support me doing more of this stuff no questions just an expression of despair says James Fox very nice Gareth Dennis okay, slash merch for the merchandise uh, the build HS2 um, top looking increasingly uh, excruciatingly ironic um, but everyone should be wearing these when you speak to uh, Labour and Peace I, uh, I'm, I will be hopefully speak in advance of the general election I intend to speak to the the tra- shadow transport uh, Shadow Secretary of State for Transport and the Secretary of State for Transport, I would very much like to speak to those people in advance of the general election. We'll see if we can. Um, I, I fully intend to get that happening before the GE. PayPal.me slash Gareth Dennis um, for this change and abuse. Gareth Dennis slash Discord for not just the chat continuing forever, but uh, there's about to be a, a little, I'm going to do a little live stream after this for, for Patreon people. Um, come join on the, if you're a Patreon person, come join the Discord server. That'd be fun to have you along. Um, next week is Rail Week, 5th to 11th of February 2024. They've moved it to February. I know we skipped a year, didn't we? Somehow, probably for baby reasons. Well, um, 5th to 11th of February 2024 is Rail Week, um, run by the Young Rail Professionals. A pleasure um, to always work with them. And indeed, I just recorded next week's episode with a whole bunch of apprentices. It was great. So episode 204 is Apprentice Question Time with the Young Rail Professionals, a bunch of YRP folks um, and some apprentices from across the industry. Actually, not hugely across the industry. Hopefully, it'll be a, a better slice across the industry next year. But this year, we had a, a bunch of people joining us and asking some terrific questions. They've got some really interesting answers. So it's honestly a really good episode next week. I can't wait to uh, for you to all to watch it. In the meantime, let's get my giant face back. Uh, there is some oh, box. There's a thing of Tony's Chocolooney here that I'm going to eat possibly all of there's also the so this is i was talking about the azuma thing that was won by one of you uh, a couple of weeks ago well here's the one here is uh, actually it was last week wasn't it here is the one that i use as the car uh, as, as my car fob it's looking distinctively more bashed up there it is look it's looking a bit it's looking a bit bashed up anyway i digress there's all sorts of other stuff down here including i think is it a pen uh, no that's not actually what i thought it was uh, i need to avoid picking too much of this stuff up because i'll once again uh, dox myself uh, fine, good, lovely. Oh, I can make use of some of this stuff. Fine, there's just a load of junk that I just found there. That I'm like, ah, oh, forgot about that. I'm in the middle of recording a podcast. I should probably focus. Focus. It is February next week. Um, it was November only a few days ago. Absolutely, Gareth. Yeah, that is that is quite something. So, will I be contributing evidence to Labour's review? No, didn't. They didn't give any time to do that. Um, uh, if they do a more another open call for evidence, then maybe. But they haven't done a very well publicised open call, which suggests that they kind of are doing. They've kind of got a. a mind made up situation i hope not it'd be nice to get jürgen on maybe i'll reach out to him and see if he wants to come on and talk about it but um anyway uh do i have the date of each cancellation month year Ooh, you could probably google it and find them i don't have them written down i've just gone for the year but um yeah uh you could probably find that fairly easily um uh, if you have a question for me please do at me um do i know emir dervel's uh sister and family uh L-M-A-O. Uh, no, I, I don't off the top of my head, Gareth. Um, although probably if I met them, uh, saw them, their faces, I'd probably go, oh yeah, hello, yes. It's That, that happens in Wales. Right, enough of that. I've, 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 uh, there's no more questions with my added name in. Um, can we nip the everything as part of Network North thing in the bud? Um, uh, the, at the last news article, um, oh, yeah, uh, it's, yeah, everything is part of Network North. Oh, did that happen? Is that what they said in the last... Um, in the last article really is that what they said let me whiz back and, and see what if that's what it said did it say that oh uh as part of its network north plan oh my god yeah 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 yeah. sorry i'm just looking in and seeing the the the, 
the, that article. Ah, painful. Anyway, right, enough of that. Everyone. Uh, Jürgen is cool. He's my former boss, but regardless of political colour, he speaks heads. Uh, absolutely. I've been following Jürgen for a while. Jürgen and I have spoken. I, I know Jürgen from when he was at Siemens. Um, I, I, it'd be good, great to get him on. Um, I, 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 him being appointed was a, a moment of hope, but ultimately he's been put in that position to kind of give the answer that Labour wants rather than giving the right answer. Unfortunately, that's just kind of how that, that kind of appointment works. But hopefully he'll be sufficiently trusted to, to push the envelope a little bit. Um, anyway... Everyone, it's uh, 2112 in the UK, and it's high time I left you all in peace and quiet. I will see you for a pre-record episode next week, for the episode which I've just recorded. Um, and, and then after, uh, the week after that, I shall see you live again, I think, probably. <laughs> Everyone, cheerio!